Hello and welcome to Grow Up Summer School, an APG Canada podcast where we give strategic thinkers and creative tinkers opportunities to grow. I'm your host, Michelle Lee, and this week on the show, we are continuing with our series on career advice. Every day this week, we'll be dropping one new episode each day to give you even more opportunities to grow on everything from how to break into advertising to how to build a strategy portfolio, and today, how to thrive at an independent agency. Today, we're chatting with Zach Klein, head of strategy at No Fixed Address. Just before we dive in, we'd like to give a special shout out to the team at Hotspecs for sponsoring this week's episode. As one of Canada's leading supporters of strategic planning, they've shown a keen interest in continuing to help us foster and strengthen Canada's strategic talent. And for that, we thank you. Now let's dive into the show. Hey, everyone. Uh, so my name's Zach. Um, I work as a strategist most of my life within the realm of uh, advertisement agencies on the, uh, the brand and creative side. Spent uh, some of my early days in, uh, you know, the big shops, the BBDOs of the world. Spent some time at Taxi. And uh, after a stint there, I went on the freelance side, which was a great opportunity. Gave me exposure to, you know, agencies big and small, independent, not so independent. Started a small consultancy with a, uh, a dear friend and amazing planner, Dino Demopoulos. So we did that for a while and then uh, moved over to No Fixed Address. So I've been working with them since... 2018, I'd say, and a lot of big adventure there, a lot of different roles. And uh, right now, very much focused on uh, heading up their strategy department. Most of the focus being on the um, on the brand and creative side, and then working with experts in different disciplines from, you know, products and platforms to performance and, you know, the list goes on and on. So uh, yeah, that's a short glimpse into my story. And I guess we're gathered here today to talk about how to thrive in an independent agency. And um, I guess, you know, for me, what's interesting is I'm kind of coming in this journey kind of at a later stage in my career. So I didn't work in a senior capacity um, at a holding company, but I've heard all the stories and a big part of NFA's, you know, start was uh, positioned in the context of those holding companies. So what I want to do today is I got four tips, not five, going off brief. Uh, Michelle, I know you've been working at independent agencies yourself, so maybe you could fill in one of the gaps for me. Or uh, if anybody else has any like comments, they can they can they can uh, they can share them with us. But uh, so yeah, we've got four. Um, I don't know if you wanted to interject or anything. I could give a quick update on kind of like the high line, uh, the, the top line of what we're going to be going through, and then we can dive into each one. Yeah, I mean, before you jump in though, I'm just curious. You know, your background. So you've worked at big agencies. You've gone done freelance. You've started your own thing. Now you've gone to independent. Um, can you talk a bit about the, those different shifts and kind of, and maybe then that can kind of lead into like what attracted you to No Fixed Address? Yeah. Um, I mean, the shifts for me, I guess the freelance thing was just really an interest in creating a, uh, like a, a working reality that adjusted and could work with a lifestyle that I wanted at the time, which was to get a little bit more breathing space to go and kind of do my own thing. This is pre pre-COVID, uh, pre-pandemic, so more traveling and uh, just finding a balance between inspiration outside of work and work, and then trying to understand kind of the business side of the business. So what does it take to kind of sell your own wares? Um, and really, the other side of it is just getting exposure to a lot of different um, a lot of different clients and agencies, which was uh, which is great because as you know, on the freelance side, it's just, it's a trial by fire. You're jumping into uh, you know, a different uh, problem, uh, you know, agency or client uh, fresh and you have no social mm -hmm. capital. So it really comes down to your ability to kind of assess, you know, what the challenge is and then 
you know, create solutions working with, you know, new team members. So I thought the challenge was pretty cool in addition to it working with a lifestyle. And then I would say, you know, uh, starting your own business felt like a natural extension. Uh, you know, uh, Dino and I were close friends and the opportunity to work together was incredibly appealing. And, uh, you know, the big thing you learn on the freelance side is that, you know, it can be quite lonely. So going at kind of that entrepreneurial side of the business was a, with a partner was just an amazing, amazing thing. And then, uh, you know, he shifted over to, uh, to no fixed address, which was great. And that was, again, one of the big reasons why I went over there, because I wanted to, uh, to work closely with Dino. And the other side of it was no fixed address was coming up with a, with a new model, right? A new way of kind of looking at the, at the industry. They had a ton of momentum, you know, huge aspirations. And it just felt like a, a, a good place to be in, in the context of kind of where the industry was at the time. And, uh, you know, that, that positivity, that kind of the optimism, and that was just some of the energy that I wanted to be surrounded by and uh, was a big draw for me at No Fixed Address. Hmm. And, and beyond the, the lack of fixed address, what, what, were there specific things that made it feel kind of different um, to you? I think for me, it was still some of that kind of like entrepreneurial energy. And we'll talk a bit about this when we when we talk about independent agencies. I mean, I don't have the data on this, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and say most of those independent agencies are kind of at the earlier stages of their kind of growth. And they're, you know, they're newer agencies, they're younger agencies. So they still very much have that entrepreneurial kind of energy, that startup energy where they're shaping, you know, their future, you know, in, in real time. It's kind of, uh, it's less set. So I think that that was really exciting to me about, you know, the opportunity to come in there. Yes, they had some momentum. Yes, they had built some, you know, they had built their own brand and could attract a certain caliber of client. But also it was kind of our book to write, um, you know, going in there and really not only defining the strategy practice within that space, because Dino had come in as their first CSO and, you know, together a big part of that was shaping what that, you know, what what was the department going to look like within the context of, of NFA? And then again, just the potential, the runway, not only in terms of what the strategy department could achieve, but also, uh, you know, what the agency could achieve. Okay, great. Well, that that seems like a good uh, place to segue into your, what's the first of your five tips for how to thrive at an independent agency? We got four. You're doing the fifth, remember? Oh, shit. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. I so I got friends so back on me. Okay. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the first one, the first one, which is, you know, uh, what I'm going to call like comfort and chaos. And I guess, I guess the skill that you really want here and the theme here is really around adaptability. And we kind of started to touch on this and I, I don't mean chaos necessarily in like a, a bad way, not at all. And I know, you know, the reality is chaos is, you know, the defining part of our, of our jobs and our, our, our experience in, in a creative field. I mean, creativity is inherently kind of chaotic. And I think what you find in, um, you know, agencies and I kind of, you know, saying here that there are for the ones, at least in my experience that I've worked with, uh, you know, as a freelancer and also obviously running my own business and then, um, you know, working with no fixed address is that my experience has been most of them are at the early stages. They're, they're younger businesses that they're, 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 they're launching their businesses and they're getting them off the ground. And by that, I mean, yes, they work in a creative field, but they are also in a state of creativity and creation compared to maybe a business that has been around since you know, the 50s or 60s or has the support of a holding company far, far more established. The, 
the cast or the mold or whatever the, the, the reference is, isn't, isn't set. So these, you know, independent agencies that I've worked with, you know, are very, very much in that creative stage as it relates to their business. So who they are as a brand, right? What their offering is, you know, what their, you know, strengths are, what their service offerings are, who they provide those service offerings, uh, you know, to are, what are their processes for delivering those offerings? So there's all kinds of elements within um, an independent agency that, that aren't set and that need to get figured out. And because they're less because they're really less established, it feels like that the sands shift a lot more within the context of a, you know, an independent agency. And really, to thrive in this kind of environment, and I've learned this uh, big time, you know, at no fixed address. This is part of their banner too, right? Like there is no fixed approach. Um, there is no fixed way of of solving a problem. You come to a problem, you know, from an agnostic, unbiased standpoint, is that you're constantly in this state of adaptability, and you're constantly in need of adapting to the situation. So for me, a big, big, uh, uh, you know, element, uh, something that you need to be able to have to thrive in an independent agency is that sense of comfort in that chaos and adapting to, uh, you know, to the to the constant change. Now I get it. All businesses are in a state of change. Nobody's kind of, nothing's, you know, you set it and forget it and you just kind of march forward. But I do feel like um, the, the, the amount of change that's required within or that happens within the context of an independent agency is far more accelerated. It's far, far, far more accelerated. So and, what and I would so say, go ahead. Yeah. What's that been like the last uh, two years? I mean, is it like, adaptability and, and then some because of everything that's been going on yeah i mean it's there's i mean everybody's going through adaptability so i don't want to kind of or change so everybody needs to be you know to, to adapt and i don't want to make it seem like it's only true within the context of like um an independent agency but i would say you know from my personal experience i mean over the last two years uh you know nfa's launched two agencies right they've introduced completely new lines of business you know from you know performance as an example so what ends up happening is I feel like, um, you know, it, it, you're constant, you're constantly in this state of change and you're constantly adapting to working with different offerings, with working with different kind of like, you know, groups of people. Um, it, you're really, really thinking constantly about, okay, here's the conditions within, you know, within our business that have changed. I'm not just talking about like remote or working from home. But how do we like, you know, how do we work with these different groups? Right. And how, who mm -hmm. like. What are our processes? What are our tools? How, if they were going to, you know, a big part of NFA's offering is the integration, the collaboration between a diverse set of, you know, service offerings, right? So how do we, how do we integrate these different offerings when we come to the table with different philosophies, different baggages, different tools? And I think it's just this, you know, for me, it's, it's, you know, how I address the situation, how I thrive in the situation, because quite frankly, this counters a bit of my natural kind of disposition, which is more kind of like the certainty control and kind of like more of that OCD kind of like planned mindset. Um, mm -hmm. You know, for me, what that really means is just setting my expectations and, and going in there knowing that, you know, it's going to be chaotic, it's going to be turbulent, and that we're not going to have all the answers. We're not going to have everything kind of figured out. It's going to take that, 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 that process of creativity and exploration to find that solution. So for me, that's been one of the big things, which is really around expectation setting. 
Um, mm-hmm. Another thing that kind of you know works for me in a big way in that space, and this is from Serge uh, Rancour. So he's he's one of the co-founders, and he says, you know, march towards success as though it's inevitable. And that kind of like resonated with me because there's this inherent sense of of optimism that you know you're gonna mm-hmm. you, you know you're gonna run into some kind of like tough spots where you're not gonna feel like you have the answer that you know you have to adapt to this you know current situation and it, it might feel like you're kind of behind the eight ball but you will find a solution, right? It's just that persistence and that resilience to go on, which has been super helpful for me as well. Yeah, interesting. And I, and I imagine, because you you kind of touched on it earlier in terms of like studying a vision for a department or, or leading one, um, that that same amount of adaptability would have to come to that. Like maybe you have some fixed guidelines or principles, but then everything from then on is is kind of molded as you go. Yeah, I mean, this is this has been kind of a tension point for us, right? Because there's no kind of fixed approach, right? But at the same time, we need you know some direction on how we how we tackle a certain pro like project or ask. So, developing a brand strategy as an example. So, you know, I think what we try to do, and this isn't my language, but the notion of like we don't provide uh, structure, we provide scaffolding. I think that's a Mark Pollard mm. quote. Um, but the idea there is kind of providing a loose structure um, in terms of, okay, well, what are our steps? What are our frameworks? What are our different tools to get from A to B for a project that has been you know, assessed as a brand strategy project? How do we do that? And I think that's really, really important. So there's kind of consistency on, on the product at the end, like a caliber, like a quality assurance on what that product is going to be. Uh, from an efficiency standpoint, to make sure we're not reinventing the wheel every single time, and then as a, you know, a training tool as well, uh, because we have people coming in who are on, on you know, on the younger side, they're earlier in their career, and you know, they need guidance in terms of how they get to A to B on a specific ask. So, what we've tried to do is kind of create, like I said, that scaffolding, um, directional, uh, you know, uh, directional guidance on how we get from A to B. But most importantly, give ourselves the liberty to kind of go off track and really, um, you know, shape, um, you know, shape a solution based on whatever the problem is at hand. And in order for us to do that, I think the other important part besides giving ourselves the liberty to do that is uh, the importance of an assessment phase at the onset of a project. Um, You know, really, really sitting down at the beginning of a project with clients and spending more time than you think you should analyzing and assessing their brief and getting very, very clear with the information that you have at at that time in terms of what is the end state? What are we delivering at the end of this exercise that's going to be helpful? Because if there's one thing I learned through my experience with with paper, which was, you know, brand consultancy with uh, with Dino, and, you know, we laugh about this is, you know, people don't really buy kind of by strategy, right? Like this isn't, you know, that uh, revelatory, but strategy is you know, an input into, um, you know, into another part of the system for people to go away and do their job to achieve whatever the client has in mind. So the point there being um, getting very, very clear on what are we delivering in order to empower either the client or other people uh, who we work with or their partners to go away and do their job. So I think, you know, I think a big part of that is that assessment phase. And I think if we were to kind of get, if we were to be very disciplined in terms of this is one thing we, you know, we can't walk away from, this is 100% part of our process, not something that is, this is fixed, let's say that, 
is really committing to that that assessment phase. And you know, a big part of that was inspired not a quote of mine, um, you know, Martin Weigel, who said, uh, you know, strategy starts at the end. And I think when he talked about that, he meant, okay, well, what are our objectives? What are we trying to do um, in the context of the problem that the client might be facing? But I think that that question also has to be asked in the context of what is the client getting from this exercise? Not what impact are they trying to make, but what are the tools and requirements in order to make that impact? And as strategists, what are what's our job, and what are we delivering to empower you know empower the the, the system that is going to be activated as a result of our strategic work? All right, clarity on delivery. That's my number five. What's your number two? <laughs> okay, number two, number two. Uh, yeah, we're all over the place here. I like it. I like it. Um, okay, so number two for me would be let's. Uh, what I wrote down here was a was a maker's mindset. So by this I mean, um, you know, we talked about uh, you know the fact that there's a lot of ambiguity in these spaces. That uh, you know, in in in, in uh, an independent uh, you know agency, if they're if they're earlier on in their journey relatively younger. So maybe they haven't got everything figured out from processes and tools. Maybe they don't have experience working on certain client, you know, certain clients or certain categories. We talked about, you know, you know, the, the, the fact that it seems like conditions change within these environments a lot more than say more traditional or established environments. And I think what this, you know, the other part of this is that, you know, independent agencies don't necessarily have that holding co that mothership. Uh, that relationship and being able to lean on a lot of their their resources and kind of their protocols and you know their approaches, past cases, so on and so forth. So I think what you find within um, independent agencies uh, more often are kind of like you know gaps or vacuums, right? There's lots of opportunities, um, you know. Uh, to, th there's lots of I guess maybe necessity to kind of fill these gaps that aren't that haven't been figured out or that haven't really been filled. So. I like this notion of kind of like proactivity when you come into an environment and, um, you know, if you feel like there's something that needs to get done or, um, you know, a question that needs to get answered or a part of the process that needs to get defined, I think to thrive or one thing that really helps you thrive in an independent agency is kind of identifying where these gaps are and proactively, um, you know, going and filling them. And I think, you know, um, this 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 idea of kind of like being 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 a bit of the author as it relates to how the agency operates and you know ultimately ulti what it offers as well. So as an example, you know, from in the NFA space, I mean, for us, we're really talking about creating products um, for different strategic uh, outputs. So an example for that would be like a, a what we're calling a, a brand operating system. So people who come in, clients who might come in and where they're either reinventing their brand or they're inventing a new brand and really creating a product around, um, you know, that brand offering. So that was a, that was a, you know, a gap that we identified in kind of our offering as an agency. And we proactively, you know, went away and defined that and, you know, created this offering. And the, the that, that was come from, that, that came from, you know, like conversations with other strategists where we went away and we said, Hey, it feels like there's a bit of a gap here. It feels like there's an opportunity here. Why don't we just go away and build this? So that maker's mindset. And I think in a, you know, in independent agencies, because there's less structure, because you don't necessarily have that mothership setting the rule, the rules, I feel like there's more runway, right? There's more opportunity to kind of do those things. If you see there's an opportunity, if there's something that you want to create, 
you can go away and do that and you make your case. And I just feel like it's a lot easier to get, um, you know, to get things off the ground. And there's a lot more opportunity to create things that need to get off the ground because not everything has been necessarily figured out. So that, no that notion of like, go ahead, sorry. There's a, I'm, I'm curious, do you find that people who are fresh to the industry perhaps can lend uh, a, a new perspective and spot those opportunities? Or is it more the experienced person? Or maybe it doesn't come down to the number of years you've had in the industry. Maybe it comes down more to kind of just your disposition. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a good question. I think like, uh, you know, a, a new person coming in, you know, they're not, you know, they're more likely to see maybe some shortcomings or some opportunities because they have fresh eyes and, you know, maybe somebody who's more experienced would feel more comfortable sharing their voice or, or maybe not. But I think, yeah, somebody coming in new would be able to kind of identify these things where we might be too close to them for those of us who have been in the industry like longer. I think that's, you know, probably one thought. I think you're right around like experience probably comes in and, and, and plays that role too, which is, you know, you come from, if you have 10 years of experience behind you, you know, some of the requirements for you to do your job. And if you, if you notice that they haven't been identified or defined, excuse me, in this new environment, then, you know, you can introduce them. And I think the other part of it is just like a working, you know, working like a dynamic with people on our team. Like we're, we're close, we chat, um, you know, for me and the people I work with, um, you know, who report to me, we have our one-on-ones. So, you know, we identify opportunities or identify some of our pain points. And from that, I mean, you know, we, we feel empowered and we feel in a position to think about what some of the solutions would be and enact some of those solutions. Um, you know, if they require resourcing, it doesn't require, you know, us to fill out a whole bunch of paperwork that needs to be approved by somebody in New York. I can just, you know, text one of the owners of the company and, you know, get the green light on resourcing. So I feel like they, it, it, it moves a lot quicker because there's less kind of hierarchy there, but identifying what those things are can come from, you know, people who have just joined the agency, whether they're junior or whether they've been there for a long time. I think some of those suggestions come from, you know, all kinds of different places. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Great. Okay. Well, okay. So have a maker's mindset and be comfortable in chaos. What's your tip number three? So the, the line around, you know, wear many hats, versatility, I think is, is a super important uh, trait in, uh, within, you know, the context of an independent agency. So obviously adaptability leads to versatility because there's new environments, you know, new realities that you have to adjust to. But I think what I'm leaning more into here is that, um, you know, there's, there's all within these organizations, and again, in my experience is that there, there are less silos, right? There's less division between different groups and there's a lot more cross-pollination between experience and, uh, you know, different offerings. So, for example, our products and platforms team, which is, you know, our way of saying digital, right? So that would be anything where, um, you know, we would go away and we build a website or build a digital product or have a semblance of expertise on a, on a, on a platform like a CRM platform, as an, as an example. But there's a lot more cross-pollination between these different groups. And, uh, you know, that some of that's just based on necessity. Sometimes, you know, some, some of our teams might not have a dedicated strategist, but they need a strategic mind to address a problem. So, you know, they, you know, somebody from our team would get brought in to say a CRM uh, ask or, you know, maybe, uh, you know, a website, uh, like a, a web project. And then other times it's just the fact that over time, um, you know, sometimes these different departments, they kind of calcify in, 
you know, older organizations or holding co-organizations. And there's more of a divide between these different groups. Whereas I feel like, at least again, in the experience I've had at independent agencies, that's been less the case. There's been, I guess, more movement and there seems to be less kind of a divide between, okay, that's your department and this is our department. So as a result of that, I mean, there is that notion of versatility, you know, that you have to be comfortable wearing different hats. But I think what really comes down to for people who, you know, who'd be considering an independent agency and who want to thrive within this space is very much that willingness to learn, right? Like you kind of go in, you kind of make yourself a bit vulnerable. Like I don't have any experience really much, very much thinking about, you know, CRM strategy, but, you know, there's some basics as it relates to approaching a strategic, you know, task and a strategic problem. And you are able to offer value within the context of an expertise that might be outside of your range. So you can go in and, you know, provide your expertise, um, you know, but I think that requires a willingness, like I said, to be learned, to, 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 to learn, but also being comfortable knowing, you know, you're not going to know it all when it comes to, you know, certain types of marketing practices and marketing functions. And then the other thing on that is just, you know, you, you often get into these situations. I mean, even within the world of, brand strategy or creative strategy, there's different philosophies and different tools and different approaches. I mean, different, you know, frameworks that we all use to kind of give shape to our, our, our strategy. And I think, you know, my experience has also been that there needs a bit of an alignment on kind of like, what are these different, what are these different processes and frameworks that we use to define our strategies when there is cross-pollination between different, uh, you know, different practices and it all gets figured out. It just, it just takes a little bit of time. So a little bit, a, a little bit of patience and, you know, sure collaboration, but I think this really, this, this ability to go in and be vulnerable to, to a degree, but also, you know, going in there and being prepa- preparing yourself to, to, to learn and stretch your mind. Yeah. And I mean, it feels, um, unsaid, but it should be said anyways, like, I feel like communication and signaling would be massive because, there are so many kind of fuzzy lines and fuzzy boundaries within this, right? It sounds like an extremely fluid environment um, yeah. and, and different teams will work in different ways, especially if you don't have a set way. Um, yeah. It's just going to yeah. continue to evolve. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it, it gets fuzzy and I guess, you know, every, every project is, is different now. And I mean, there's lots of talk about this over the last 10 years, you know, media companies trying to become creative companies, creative companies trying to become media companies. So yeah, you get this kind of like melting pot uh, of, you know, different services within the world of, uh, you know, one integrated agency. So figuring out kind of like these working practices. And then the other side of it is that, you know, there's a lot blurrier lines between what clients are asking for now. Right. And, you know, Mm. when you come in and you think about an integrated campaign, I mean, it's not just like, hey, we got our TV spot or we got our, you know, our Facebook. And it's it's just like the entire the the different combinations of executions are different almost every time. And really thinking about how these different executional elements work together under an integrated plan. I mean, that, you know, that's 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 a consistent challenge. Right. So I think that's just going to be an ongoing trend. And it's 100% an ongoing trend within NFA because a big part of how they're structured is from from that integrated side. This might be less of a problem if you're kind of coming into an environment that's maybe really, really focused on like performance marketing and that's kind of their shtick. Um, but I feel, you know, this, this notion of, of, versi- of versatility um, and blurring lines is, is definitely going to be a thing if you're, if you're within kind of an integrated model. It feels like you'd have to kind of leave your ego at the door too, right? If I mean, that to me stands at the antithesis of a willingness to learn. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, the ego at the door and, and you know, the ego is all, it, it, that's always such an interesting, like, theme in our, um, in our business, you know, like, e like just ego. And mm. for me, yeah, it's like, yeah, leaving it at the door and, you know, I guess, yeah, just being, and I think that's harder as you kind of get more senior too, because you're kind of like, hey, I've been mm. doing this for X amount of time and I know this and I feel like I know this. So, you know, always having kind of that beginner's mindset and having that willingness to learn. I think is is super important not only as you get older but also in the context of our industry because it just changes so much when you think about you know new behaviors new platforms all that kind of stuff you, you've always embracing that beginner's mindset i think is a is a good kind of like mantra for 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 anyone okay what's what's your last tip the last tip is uh so we talked about a, a maker's mindset and the last one will be a, like an entrepreneurial mindset and uh, I can't remember what book I read this from, but early, uh, you know, early on when we were starting paper, somebody sent me a book. And in this book, they talked about the difference between working in your business and for your business. So in your business would be like doing the client work, right? It'd be figuring out the mm -hmm. processes. It would be managing a team. It would be, um, you know, pitching new clients, all of the stuff that, you know, that happens within the factory. Um, and then. Uh, you know, for your business would be, you know, going out and growing that business as, you know, as an entity, how are you, how are you essentially working on behalf of the growth of the business? And that's not just the, the sausage making within the factory. So, you know, I'm not just talking about pitching, but I think, you know, within um, an independent agency, I mean, you know, you're not really reporting to a stock ticker. It's not owned by, you know, shareholders. I mean, the person who owns the company is, is a colleague and somebody who, you know, pre-COVID, you would have looked in their face every day. And today you might look at it through, through Zoom, but there's kind of this dual role. And maybe this is just more pressing, you know, and stands out a bit more to me because I'm a little bit, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm further along in my career and more senior. Um, but uh, this notion of really, looking out for the growth of the agency as a whole. And, you know, you're not just thinking about going in there and doing your job and checking the boxes for the work that you have to do, but keeping your ear to the ground and always thinking about ways of how you're developing the agency for its success. Cause we're all in this boat together. Like our success, um, you know, our, our success at NFA as individuals is, is dependent on the overall growth and success of the agency. So I feel a, a sense of, you know, responsibility and accountability to very much think about, okay, well, what is my role in the context of growing and ensuring you know, the growth and success of this entity we call independent agency? And, and, you know, maybe that's less of an issue in kind of a, you know, a big, you know, corporate structure where you have holding companies and global, you know, global uh, client relationships and pipelines of work that are, you know, that, 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 that you have absolutely no control over. But within the context of an independent agency, I feel like, you know, your not only kind of, you know, your ability to make an impact within, you know, within the agency, but also the success and growth of that agency, you, you, you have some, you have some responsibility to that. So keeping that entrepreneurial mindset and thinking about, okay, well, in addition to doing the work I'm doing, how am I helping and, you know, extending and um, really securing the future for, for uh, you know, for the company that I work for. And again, this might just be me because I'm, you know, getting older in my career. So I'm kind of more cognizant of that and closer to kind of an, you know, executive responsibility. Um, but I do think, you know, the, the, the notion of, yes, you'll do your job in the business, but what can you do to work for the business?
Do you think having your own business, starting your own business um, has been helpful in terms of thriving at an independent? Because like when you talk about things like comfort and chaos, maker's mindset, you know, entrepreneurial mindset, versatility, those feel like really key skills, you know, when you're starting your own thing as well. For sure, man, for sure. I think like, I think a big part of that, and that was a big part of the impetus too around starting as a freelancer, because again, in the work, you know, in the business and for the business, I, I I knew I was interested, obviously, in the craft of strategy, but also how do we make money? Like, how does this, you know, how does this business actually work? What's what's the business around the craft? And that was always interesting to me. And like I said, big part of the reason why I started, um, you know, going as a freelancer, but also, yes, very much learning that through the context of starting your own business. And and quite frankly, I you know that that was interesting to me, but it it's not as exciting to me as actually doing the work and doing the craft itself. But I do think they're very, very important and they're obviously connected. And as strategists ourselves, I mean, we're, we're problem solvers and we help unlock growth and opportunity for our clients um, based on problems that they're facing. And I think that same skill set can be applied, you know, if the client is the agency. So, but to answer your question, uh, yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, it's uh, those, those things are two sides of the same coin in my brain. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. And and I I imagine some of these things are innate, and then some of these things maybe you just kind of have to to learn a bit more. Um. You know, like when you talked before about comforting chaos, and you know, you like to have some of the certainty and control. And I didn't know that about you actually, but I'm like a super <laughs> control freak type A. Um, yeah. And so I imagine some of this you kind of just have to like commit to you know, I don't know, breathing <laughs> or like meditation yeah. or something. Yeah. 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 Big time. No, well, you and I are then cut from the same cloth. Cause that's very much <laughs> my, my kind of like disposition. And that's why I, you know, I think if I played back, you know, when I, when I listen to this and cringe at the sound of my own voice, but the, the point there being is like the words process or protocol or tools or frameworks. I mean, those are all elements of control, right? Those are all the, everything there is intended to provide a semblance of control within an environment mm-hmm. that thrives and actually, you know, covets, um, ambiguity. It's, it's seen as, it's seen as a virtue. So, yeah. um, you know, and I think, you know, that, that amorphousness, right. Led that, that the fact that they aren't defined has been a huge ingredient of their success. And I think, you know, OCD box mentality, you know, it, it's, it's innately, um, you know, limiting. It's a box. It's got limits. So I, for, for me, I mean, it's, it's the, yes, it's, it's the awareness, right? It's the awareness that this is the environment that I'm in, right? This is my natural disposition. And I either make this work or if this environment doesn't work for me, then I go find another environment to work in. And back to kind of area number three, which is a willingness to learn, right? And really kind of create that sense of vulnerability and, and give it a shot. And I think we all recognize that, you know, our, our way of looking at the world or how we feel or how we feel, you know, how, like how we approach a problem most certainly is not the only way to approach a problem. Uh, and therefore, what can you learn by exposing yourself to, you know, different ways of operating and uh, different ways of doing the craft of strategy? And, you know, for me, that's very much been a, a learning opportunity. Um, and 100%, the notion of breathing is important because you are putting yourself in a position where you're definitely stepping outside of your outside of your comfort zone. So it's, it, and, and I haven't got to figure it figured out. It's a, it's an ongoing journey, 
but something's working. So, you know, um, that's why I continue down that path. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I've never actually thought about it that way. It's really interesting when you start to kind of bring this nature versus nurture conversation lens uh, onto this, because I think, you know, lots of times when you're looking for an employer or you're looking for an employee, them to bring onto your team, you know, we, 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 you know, fundamentally we talk about fit. Um, but unless you kind of have a, a tangible, uh, you know, context to place that in, it's hard to kind of like fit is kind of a, it's hard to define specifically, but it like agency environments can be so different. And it's, but then it really doesn't just come down to your skill or your experience level. It really is that, that fit. I mean, you might be someone who actually, you know, to your point, like really thrives in a chaotic environment or someone who could just completely shuts down in, yeah. in, a, in an environment like that. So yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. And I, and, you know, sometimes that's the whole fit thing too, and you know, chemistry and going into an environment, it's so hard to, to really, like you said, evaluate as an outsider looking in, you can only really tell by getting in that environment and seeing how you react to that environment. So I think, you know, yeah. I think in those situations, what for me, it's, it's important to give it a chance, right? You got to try things out. You got to push yourself. You got to get out of your comfort zone and, you know, you, that's, that's, that's how you grow. And that's how life is interesting. At least that's my perspective. But then I also think you need to have self-awareness and, you know, after a certain period of time, if, if it's not working, I mean, you got to give yourself permission to say, Hey, this, this, I tried it and it wasn't the spot, the place for me and something else will work for me. Something else will, I just got to go out there. So you got to know when to pull the shoot too. And it's that constant kind of balance and dance, but, you know, staying in one place for me is, is just, it's, it's not, it's not the answer. I think you really gotta, you gotta push yourself and you gotta put yourself in environments where you are, where you are uncomfortable. Yeah. All right. Great. Well, uh, thank you for these four tips. I do think that there is something in clarity on the delivery actually, which is, is going to be kind of my tip five that I stole from you. Um, I actually actually have worked at places where we, we talk about kind of slowing down to speed up. Yeah. Um, and really like if you figure out what the actual problem or the question or the challenge is and get real clarity and alignment on that, you kind of like nine tenths solve the problem. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if that is specifically pertains to thriving in an independent agency, but maybe even more so if you're dealing with kind of lack of clarity and, and chaos and, you know, adaptability and ambiguity and all the things we've talked about. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I do a hundred percent agree, you know, that line, if I had an hour to cut down a tree and spend like nine, like 55 minutes sharpening my ax, you know, the whole point there being like figuring out like the, the whatever that line was, it's just like the idea of like spending an inordinate amount of time, making sure you've defined the problem. Right. And then from there, you know, make sure you're solving the right problem before you go de design a, a strategy and a solution. Um, you know, there's no point solving the wrong problem. So I, that I buy a hundred percent. I think the other thing, you know, this isn't just an independent agency problem. It's kind of like an industry problem and a painful irony of uh, communications business is that we're so bad at communicating. I mean, what, what I'm really talking about too, is like when somebody says a brand strategy, right? You say that in a room, three, four, five people, no matter how many people are in the room, everybody has a different interpretation in their mind about what that is, but most importantly, what it looks like at the end of a lengthy exercise. So not only mm -hmm. just figuring out what problem does this strategy need to solve, but what is the tool that will solve this problem? What are we building? And that's really what I'm talking about too, which is like, 
really, really, really spending time and getting clarity on kind of like, what does that look like? When I say brand strategy, are we all holding hands on what that looks like and how we're going to define a brand strategy for you client? And it's not just the client, it's internally too, right? So when an account team hears that, or maybe, you know, a, a PM hears that. Um, so getting clarity on that. And in the context of an independent agency, um, you know, maybe they uh, suffer from that a little bit more than an established agency. And I, the only reason I would think about that, I, I, I would say that is because maybe a more established you know, agency from a holding co as an example, might have already defined the products. They might already have their kind of, you know, you know, everybody has proprietary, uh, you know, processes, right? Or they have proprietary products. So maybe they're just a little bit more defined. I can point at something and say, okay, brand strategy, this is what a brand strategy looks like at agency XYZ. So it's already been defined. Um, I feel like defining those products is is definitely one of the, the, the I guess the you know the opportunities those proactive opportunities to go away and kind of like write the book on okay well what does our brand strategy you know product look like or what does our process look like um, so yeah it's the it's it's the it's the identification very much of the problem we need to solve but then the tools in which will help us solve that problem. Well, ironically, we're also really bad at branding ourselves and differentiation. So <laughs> props to uh, NFA for doing that, because I think you guys have done that in spades. Um, sure. Awesome. Great. Well, yeah, no, th thank you. I appreciate the time again. Um, and well, I mean, you guys always seem to be in the news. So we'll be looking out for um, more ways that you guys have been succeeding as an independent agency. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much, Michelle. Thank you for joining this week's episode of Grow Up. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share this episode, and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts.